Hello, my name is Adam Eason and welcome to episode 112 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think we have a marvellous show lined up for you today. Um, In a short while I'll be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest Jonathan Kattenberg. Then we'll have this week's hypnosis in the news stories examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to be offering up some personal subjective commentary on the ways that hypnosis gets portrayed in the media. Uh, This week I'm going to be discussing one single story from a decade ago that I wrote about back then and, and, and that I'm using today to build a case for us all embodying um, um, a favourite Michelle Obama quote of mine. Um, all will be revealed shortly. Um, we then return with our professional discussion with my guest Jonathan Kattenberg. We'll be talking about building on tectonic plates today. Um, um, he'll explain all of that for you. Um, we'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I said at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode. This podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback do get in touch via the hypnosis weekly website all the references made in the discussions along with the related links are posted in the episode notes section at itunes and on each episode's page of the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com that's just hypnosis weekly with a hyphen in the middle.com you can add your thoughts comments make any suggestions there too please do share this podcast on facebook twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, please do give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be a BFF if you do. So um, first of all, today is this week's interview with Jonathan Kattenberg. Now, I met Jonathan last year and we got talking and have exchanged some emails regarding his work and, uh, and some thoughts around his work. And just recently he published his book entitled Building on Tectonic Plates. Uh, he sent me a signed copy. And so I'd asked him, I asked him if he'd like to come and talk about that subject on the podcast because um, th- th- there's some very interesting things to be, to be, to be talked about. Um, and we'll be discussing that topic later on. But first of all, Uh, We're going to learn a little bit about him and his take on hypnosis. So let's get on with it, shall we? For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome this week's guest, the one and only Jonathan Kattenberg. Jonathan, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Thank you, Adam. Welcome to you too. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself. First of all, tell us how did you get into this field, a, a bit about your background and how you've arrived at, at where you are now. So um, it's a very good question. How did I arrive where I am now? 
back in the 90s, um, I got involved in financial services, um, advising clients on the financial planning, and I quickly realised that clients weren't being helped with their decisions they were making. Um, so I went on a, an exploratory journey, shall we say, understanding how the mind truly works, through what people were working hard through life, suffering stress and so on, and affecting their health. So I, I then started um, getting into mindset, um, learning elements of uh, neuro-linguistic programming and so on, um, but then quickly realised I wanted to go deeper, and that's when I started studying clinical hypnotherapy. Yeah. And that brings me to today. That's the yeah. shortened version. Yeah, shot. yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, what, what, you know, you, you kind of led beautifully into um, 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 into hypnotherapy. There, where, where are you at as far as hypnosis is concerned? You know, um, 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 how do you define it or, or explain it to people when they ask you? Um, I mean, how, how have you arrived at that that definition or that understanding? Hypnosis, whether it's self hypnosis, meditation, uh, whether it's clinical hypnotherapy, whatever you want to call it, it's the art and ability to bypass, in essence, the fight or flight and get into the programming of the mind to, to do whatever works necessary. Yeah. And that can be done in a conscious state, uh, a relaxed state, etc. but the client is in full control. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and tell me about, uh, I know that you and I have, have, have kind of exchanged some um, I'm exchanged some emails around this, um, and I'm really interested in, in in this as far as your concerns. And t tell me about who some of your major influences are in this field, and perhaps um, also some of the books, some of the authors that have taught you the most, and some teachers perhaps that have been the most influential upon you, and some of the reasons why. So, probably one of the most profound books to me was um, Bruce Lipton, uh, uh, the, the Biology of Belief. Yeah. And why is that so important to me? Because given Bruce Lipton's background, his experience and so on, it brings substance and evidence towards how the power of the mind can influence cellular behavior in positive and negative ways. And yeah. when people understand the true power of the mind, then actually they can have the ability to go on to a whole new level in life, shall we say, from a health point of view, and also a wealth point of view. So the, the Bruce Lipton is, um, is very important to me, his work. Uh, you've also got the, the more recent uh, versions now uh, of Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's taken it to a new level and, and, and doing some really excitable research around cellular behaviour with the mind as well. So if there's two books out there, there's, there's Bruce Lipton, uh, Biology of Belief, and Joe Dispenza's Breaking Habit of Being Yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, 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 th th these are people that have really kind of helped sort of fashion some of the things that, 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 that are at the heart of your approach that we're going to be speaking about a little bit later on. Is that correct? It is. It's, it's the science behind the power of the mind. Yeah. And... You know, we, we live in a Newtonian world of medicine, which is some amazing stuff, and I fully support 
but also I, I'm passionate about bringing to the front line, shall we say, the, the aspects of energy in the mind and what it can do with cellular behaviour as well with medicine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Um, 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 you know, th throughout throughout your work, um, um, tell me a little bit about um, um, one of the most or one of the more impressive applications of hypnosis that you've that you've directly witnessed. So, yeah, I mean, over the last couple of years, I had a client who um, was diagnosed with non-epileptic seizures. And she'd gone through the process with the neurologist and, and the medical professionals on that side of things. With all the scans, etc., it was determined it wasn't epilepsy, it was non-epileptic seizures, which is a, a result of a traumatic experience at some point in the life. Uh, which then results in something like a seizure. So I was asked to work with the client. And, I, you know, I, I wanted to help because I'm passionate about helping clients get to the end goal and, and beyond. But what was apparent was that whilst in one aspect of the medical world, there was a very easy approach to give medicine, shall we say, tablets to, to deal with the situation, there wasn't much support to actually help dig deep into why it was occurring. So working with the client, she struggled to uh, visualize. So that made it a bit harder mm -hmm. because then it's working around the non-visual aspects of things. And then we've got to look at the timeline therapy, going back to when it first occurred and then we have to do it in a way that it, the client feels safe. Because when I first worked with the client, it was very much a case of within the first few minutes of relaxing the client, it evoked a seizure straight away because the, the, the brain felt threatened. Um, so we had to then build the confidence around that and so on. And then eventually... We then gained the rapport, and then we were able to, as crazy as this sounds, we could evoke a seizure during the session, but then we were training the mind to control the seizure. So we would have the mind... Right. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's really interesting. Yeah, because it's all very well training, getting into the root cause... And, saying, and, and we identified that, and, and it was when she was a child. Um, and, and, you know, you, you feel for them in a sincere and, and genuine way when, they have the, when any child has a bad experience. So it's all very well saying, okay, well, we've dealt with the experience, but the neural pathways and the programming of the mind had spent so long being conditioned to have seizures, it was a case of we had to train the mind to take control of the seizures and stop them at will. So what we then did was then train the mind when the body was in full seizure to take the seizure and focus the energy just down into the toes to build the confidence. Right, right, um, right. So, so, so it was it was um, um, a, a, an actual seizure, not just a kind of hypnotic version of a seizure. It was a full seizure. Right. Okay. Okay. And and, 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 and sorry, Adam. Go on. Sorry. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I was, I was just going to say you also, um, also one of the sessions you, you, you filmed. I think you said that to me previously. You filmed it, um, and you replayed it back to her for her to really kind of get a sense of, of, of what, she, what, what, what was going on. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it was all done with correct due diligence and compliance, etc., uh, permissions. Um, but it was quite profound. Because what it also did is it, it gave her the confidence or the conscious state of mind where she knew she could control them. So yeah, when, yeah. Interesting. when we went through the, the replay, shall we say, um, you could see her confidence being projected out into the, into the room. Uh, as if, as if she was thinking, uh, which I, I say, if she was thinking, she did say she was thinking. She knows she can take control of this now, mm. so it empowered the client. But you know, it's not something you I would recommend you do with every client because it can naturally scare them and take them a step back as well. Yeah, uh, but it's just gauging it during that process. But yeah, absolutely, uh, we filmed it, we demonstrated it to the client. Actually, the power of her mind. And she's gone on in, in leaps and bounds. Yeah, 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 yeah! Amazing, amazing story. Um, 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 if if you could go back then, you know, to when you started out, um, um, knowing knowing the different things that you know now, is there anything you would do differently? And if so, what? And is there any advice that the person that you are today would give to that younger version of you that that you'd extend um, um, to, to 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 listeners and 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 hypnotherapists of today? Yeah, um, practice, 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 first and foremost. Yeah. Um, learn your skill. Your, do the research. Understand why you're able to do the things you do. Um, and if I could go back in time, I would, I would learn more about the epicenter of the brain, uh, which I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on later on in the conversation. Yeah. Um, but learn more about the ancient techniques as well and why they are so important and why in modern day therapy um, they are being used, but all in a modern day approach, shall we say. Uh, and see as many people as you can and seek advice from the, the experienced people around. Don't be scared of asking. Yeah, 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 I get that. Um, 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 I, 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 I really appreciate um, I, I'm, I'm hearing that. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's really important. Um, I'm, I'm, now we're, we're going to really roll our sleeves up and get stuck into um, 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 the, the subject of your recent book in a short while, building on tectonic plates and, and finding out what that's all about. Um, and for now, where can people go? To, <coughs> excuse me. Where can people go to learn more about you, your work, your approach, and so on? So I've got a website. That's www.lifewealthcoaching.com. Lifewealthcoaching.com. There will be yeah. a link to that. We'll put a link to that over at this episode's page of the, the Hypnosis Weekly website. Yeah, that, that, that'd be lovely. Thank you. Um, and, and, and the book naturally gives a detailed overview of the areas that I cover with clients as well. Yeah. 
yeah 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 great 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 and we are going to we're going to speak all about this subject um about jonathan's approach um, um and learn how to build on tectonic plates in just uh, a few minutes time so stay tuned <music> I enjoyed that. More from Jonathan shortly. Um, next up, we're going to have a look at our hypnosis in the news stories, um, um, th th this regular section. Um, um, today, I'm just making reference to a single story that was in the media um, a, a decade ago. Um, um, and it was, in, it was in the Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph here in the UK. And the title of the article was Police Sent on Hypnosis Courses. And there'll be a link um, to that specific article from 10 years ago um, over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and in the episode notes. Um, um, and, and this is kind of like my, my hypnotherapy field equivalent to that when they go low, we go high quote. You know, um, former First Lady Michelle Obama, um, known and admired for many things, but in particular this often quoted, they go low, we go high uh, motto, which she delivered in, in 2016 during her speech at the Democratic Convention. Um, and she said, you know, when someone is cruel or acts like a bully, you don't stoop to their level. Uh, no, our motto is when they go low, we go high. And, and I love that. Um, I, I, I read it often and um, I'm going to come back to it later on today to explain the real nub of why I'm referring to it here. Um, the field of hypnotherapy, I believe, um, runs the risk of being held back and damaged by those who spread misinformation, those who market too loudly without substance, and in particular those who bully alternative perspectives to their own, um, um, or, or, or those who, who are not open to any kind of critical appraisal of, of, of their own approaches. Um, especially, you know, if some of those alternative perspectives are those of us who seek evidence and drive towards credibility within this field, raising of ethical and professional standards within it, for example. So, yeah, you know, it, it's 10 years since I highlighted a, a particular this particular media story. And it's a story that actually I think most people would expect me to be championing. Um, um, there was a move here in the UK whereby police were being funded to go on a hypnosis course. Um, and, and I'll read a quote from a 2009 article uh, that was in the Daily Telegraph, as I said earlier. And it says... Officers are being encouraged to sign up to a course by Tom Silver, who is better known as a celebrity hypnotherapist on American chat shows, in an attempt to gain more information from suspects. Mr. Silver, who has appeared on the Montel Williams and Ricky Lake chat shows on US TV, where he gave a guest an orgasmic handshake, normally charges £1,000 a day for courses in his home country. But after being contacted by PC Mark Hughes of Cheshire Police, Mr. Silver, a master hypnotist, agreed a free one-day taster course for cops before they sign up to his six-day course costing £1,500. There's the end of the quote. Um, so first up, I'd say that the UK, you know, we've we got some of the world leading and foremost authorities in the field of hypnosis, people who have contributed masses of um, empirical evidence and research to the body of material on this subject. Um, the UK is home to some of the most progressive and highly respected colleges, schools in the world. So why or why would they not seek out somebody like, um, say, for example, um, Graham Wagstaff or Michael Heap, who, uh, who were prominent at the time, who uh, um, um, 
who have been expert witnesses on legal cases um, concerning hypnosis. Or at the very least, you know, someone whose main claim to fame is not going to be milked and criticised and, and poked fun of um, in the media as being, a, you know, a celebrity hypnotherapist who did an orgasmic handshake on the Ricky Lake show. You know, when we have such a plethora of brilliant minds, authors, researchers, teachers here in the UK, um, you know, people with, with impressive backgrounds and experience in courtrooms, as I said previously, you know, where, where hypnosis has been examined, um, um, why, oh, why are we not investing in, in that direction instead? You know, partly, perhaps it's because, you know, these, these people that I'm referring to are less known to the public and would, would require some actual research to track down. But those who end up making, you know, or, the, or those who make the most noise end up being more easily findable. Anyway, PC Mark Hughes, um, an investigative skills trainer with Cheshire Constabulary, I personally organised for Mr Silver's trip to the university and said that forensic hypnosis is a logical step for investigators to use when other more traditional methods fail and said officers interested in the new technique should sign up to the course. So um, PC Hughes told the police review the following. OK, listen carefully. This is his quote. Putting people in a receptive brainwave state makes it likelier that the truth would come out. Forensic hypnosis is a scientific approach as helmets monitor brain activity and anyone who is lying would have wide awake brainwave patterns. Forensic hypnosis does not prove guilt, but it can give new lines of inquiry when traditional methods have failed. I have studied neuro-linguistic programming where you look at language patterns and eye movements to see if someone is lying. For me, it is the next logical step for investigators to take. It is the next frontier. There ends the quote. My, oh my, oh my, oh my. No, you know, this is exasperating for me to read out and share, you know. Um, 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 do, do rewind, do listen to that. Um, uh, listen to that quote again. It's so riddled with misinformation. It's incredible. There's a very, you know, th- 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 there's, there's, there's a body of evidence to demonstrate and indicate, you know, that there's no singular set um, 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 eye, eye movements that indicate truth or lie. Um, um, there, there, there is some evidence to suggest um, that, that you know eyes, of course, do move when people think and communicate, but it tends to be different for all of us. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, heck, it's even conceded by many NLP training schools these days. Anyway, um, um, David Pickover, a former assistant chief constable of West Yorkshire Police and the Police Review's legal editor. So the magazine that, that this, this quote was in earlier on, um, um, the legal editor of that um, said... It is difficult to imagine circumstances where hypnotism is sensible or necessary, but there is nothing to prevent officers from suggesting it to witnesses. Um, I'll directly quote him further. The notion of regressing a witness so that a more accurate record of events is stimulated sounds an attractive proposition, but we must recognise that the boundaries of hypnosis um, and its worth are still vague. At the least viewed with suspicion and at worst with total scepticism. Evidence obtained under hypnosis would unquestionably be intensively examined by courts and viewed with extreme caution. 
there ends the quote. And quite right, you know, quite rightly said there, you know, hypnosis has been dismissed by courts of law all over the world in recent years due to its lack of efficacy and reliability in extracting the truth from alleged criminals. Again, you know, there are huge bodies of evidence suggest that it's just not the best used um, 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 in that manner. Hypnosis is not some sort of truth serum that can be applied and people suddenly spill their guts. Um, and again, you know, much, much evidence supports this. Anyway, the article ends with the following, the following quote. Silva has previously appeared on Ricky Lake, where he gave a woman an orgasmic handshake. He hypnotized a woman called Jamaica to sleep before he told the audience he would give her the greatest orgasm of her life when she woke up and shook a man's hand. She then woke up and lunged on men, getting more excited. There ends the quote. And isn't that just marvellous and, you know, brilliantly credible and useful for, for our police to know about? I mean, maybe the stereotypes of stage hypnosis that mislead public opinion could be lessened if a more suitable person be chosen. And this seems like an appeal to the lowest common denominator, you know, the way in which this, this has been reviewed. You know, yeah, as I've already said, you know, we've got some incredibly well-respected authors and researchers in this country who have devoted years to the field of, of actual forensic hypnosis, who have appeared in court on many occasions and have experience in this field. Yet such a police initiative, which should be, you know, delighting people like myself and correctly educating the public about its virtues, is being promoted as being run by the orgasmic handshake trainer. You know, this ought to be a big step forward, you know, ought to have been back then, you know, a way of showing some of the true efficacy of, of hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Instead, we get sound bites of inaccuracies and petty nuances likely to have people questioning why on earth it's being done. Um, and this is just a sing single example of a central theme um, that I wanted to mention today. You know, people who market hypnosis in inaccurate ways as an appeal to their business are doing long term damage to the entire field in the name of their own short-term gain. And I find this infuriating. You know, anybody that's that, 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 that's a regular listener to this podcast or has trained with me at my college or seen some of my other, some of my videos on my YouTube channel, you know, you know that I keep an eye on the way hypnosis gets portrayed out there in the world. The media coverage is pretty bad. You know, I, I talk about that here often. The TV depictions are awful, but blimey, the stuff that frontline hypnotherapy trainers and actual hypnotherapists say and do is unforgivable in my opinion. So my message today is a simple one. And as stated at the beginning of today's, um, um, you know, the, the, the beginning of the, this section today, you know, it, and it's borrowed from the wonderful Michelle Obama. When they go low, we go high. That is, you know, in the face of the advice to grab attention at all costs, instead choose to stay classy, be credible, think critically, reason intelligently, display professionalism, rise up and portray yourself and this field in the way that it deserves. We want this field to grow and develop and, and inspire others for genuine reasons. If we want that for this field, more of us need to model something different. More of us need to, to, to be something that others aspire to, to grow into instead of blindly following the loud, vapid marketeers filling the world with empty hype and baseless sound bites for this short-term gain. We want the next generation to be better than that. Um, um, there is a link to that main referenced article over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Anyway, okay, so 
We uh, Next up, we have this week's professional discussion, and I welcome back Jonathan Kattenberg. And we're talking on a subject that Jonathan's going to present upon at the UK Hypnosis Convention later this year, um, entitled Building on Tectonic Plates. So let's find out what that's all about, shall we? Here is this week's professional discussion with Jonathan Kattenberg. Enjoy. So I'm joined uh, once again by this week's guest, Jonathan Kattenberg. And Jonathan has um, recently published a book and the title is How to Build on Tectonic Plates. I'm holding a copy of it myself today um, um, and while I'm talking. Um, um, Jonathan, j- just, just, just tell us, you know, explain the title, first of all, How to Build on Tectonic Plates. Tell us what that means, what it's about and tell us what tectonic plates actually are. Okay, so as, as, you, as you've highlighted, the book's called How to Build on Tectonic Plates. And when I first thought about calling the book that uh, title, uh, when I was speaking with people around me, they said, John, that's all about the tectonic plates of the Earth. When they shift, all hell breaks loose, shall we say, in that environment that it is, in that proximity. Yeah. Because nothing can stop them. And I said, yes, absolutely. I said, that's the mind of somebody as well. Metaphorically, within the mind, if somebody doesn't know how their programming is geared to serve them, at some point in their life, they may have a life-changing event within their mind and where the tectonic plates shift, it can cause havoc with everything they do in life. And, in, and unless they understand how to secure the tectonic plates of the mind, then they can be on a constant treadmill of challenge. Right. So that's why I called the book How to Build on Tectonic Plates, because if people understand how they're programmed and how they want to work with their journey of life and how to have a fluid approach to life as well and, and, and the ability to deal with curveballs, if they do have changes in their life journey, it's not going to be an experience of tectonic plate shifting, which right. causes so much destruction. Right, I get that. So, so, so tell me um, before we sort of sort of get into some of the some of the key features and what 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 it actually is about. Is there is there a philosophy that underpins the approach? Is there is there is there a kind of guiding? guiding philosophy of some kind that that, 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 that works its way through um, um, the, 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 the themes that you offer up and and, and, and the, the, the kind of content of your approach? Absolutely. So the, th- the theme struck content philosophy, if we take any individual and look at their life and put that into a jigsaw puzzle, yeah. if we pull each part of the jigsaw puzzle, uh, jigsaw piece. For many people out there, dealing with all those pieces all at once can be quite a challenge because it can be overloading mentally. And, and, and therefore, the book's designed to take the jigsaw of somebody's life, look at where they are at present, look at where they've been 
and what's influenced them and then look at where they want to be and how do they get there and how do they deal with the program of the mind. And when they understand this and then understand how therapeutic techniques work, ancient and new, and also how financial matters work, then all of a sudden they can build a, a strategy for life whilst not having any anxiety and depression, etc., which we know links so much to uh, major illnesses these days. Right, so that that's really interesting. I mean, you mentioned financial matters there, so you, you know you're, you're kind of drawing upon some of your experiences and and so on. Um, um, because because the, the the aim of a lot of what you do is to help people create create wealth, um, um you know, but but by their own standards and and by their own interpretation. Is that correct? That's one aspect of my work. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. One of my, yeah. one of my businesses is a, a wealth management company. I keep it separate. Uh, for natural compliance reasons, um, but yes, yeah. What, what I do find, Adam, is that there are a lot of people being taught to create life maps, vision boards, and so on. But actually, it doesn't really help them understand financially how do they approach it from the facilities and products that are available in the market as well. And right, how do yeah. they do that? If they don't incur stress and anxiety around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things, one of the things that that really intrigued me was that was that on the back of your book, um, um, and, and I think we're kind of getting into some of the key features of your approach now. Um, 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 if that's okay with you, um, um, on the back of on the back of your book, you mentioned that you know people talk about the law of attraction and wonder why, for many, the vision they project never materializes. So, um, um, you 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 write on the back of the book that that you can now start to learn. Um, 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 how how that truly works and how it's created or connected rather with your internal programming. Could you could you could you explain that? I, I, I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah. So if we take law of attraction in its own in its own bubble, shall we say? Mm. Um, in some areas, people are, are influenced that. Well, okay, if you if you project. A vision of what your life will be or the type of people you want to be around and so on uh, or your health and so on then it will happen if you keep if you think it you believe it and believe it it will happen but with all due respect that's a bit wishy-washy sure it, from, from from my point of view and i don't think that is fair to project that out to people without the person wishing to apply law of attraction really understanding what you need to do in the background to put out that projection. And and as we know within the hypnotherapy world, when we do when we do with um, um, oh, what's the word? Sorry, I do apologize. When we're when we're visualizing our future, say the orientation in time and so on. Um, Understanding how to bring everything together, if we then say, well, okay, law of attraction says, well, if you think it and believe it, it'll happen. If the internal programming of the mind has another agenda, then that person is not necessarily going to project what they really want to achieve. Because right. the unconscious mind controls pretty much everything they do in their reality. 
So sure. the aim of the book is to say, well, okay, let's deal with the unconscious mind and let's get the programming in, geared in a way which actually does serve you. And actually, if we look at what's influenced an individual to get where they are at this moment in time, who is it and what is it that's been influencing them to do the things they want to do at this moment in time in the future? Yeah, right, right. And so, and so, tell me, tell me about some of um, some of the key features of 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 the book. Some of the key features of your your approach when you're working with your clients. Okay, so some of the key some of the key features of the book involve educating, empowering clients to understand um, how they've been influenced. What is their programming of their mind first and foremost? Yeah. And how does their filters work with how they receive, digest information at all times? Yeah. And when a client understands that then they can start then working in a way that gets them where they want to be, whatever that is. Now, to do that, if we take stress, anxiety, depression, if we look at the clinical aspect of that, we know clinically it's been proven that the hippocampus shrinks over time. And, and the hippocampus, being in the epicenter of the brain, communicates with the amygdala and so on, and if these microchips of the brain, shall we say, these, 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 these areas that influence our cellular makeup for, for all these positive emotions and so on and thought processes, if they're not functioning properly, that makes it really hard for a client to get where they want to be because it's, yeah. they're on a treadmill. And that treadmill can, for, for some be on a very steep climb. So understanding how things like chakras work, why are chakras so important? Because they stimulate various aspects of the brain and, and nerve points in the body. But also with chakras, you've then got the aspect of colour, which when I asked around a number of people who were involved in chakras, or clients that had received uh, coaching around chakras and so on. When I asked them about why the colour was so important, not many could tell me why. But what we're aware of is that when we delve into the research around it, is that the colour is linked to chromotherapy, which the, the colour influences cellular behaviour with the pineal gland as well. And when clients start understanding this detail, then all of a sudden they can start realising why is it working with chakras is so important? Why is it to work with creating energy on the brow of the head? What And imagine energy coming in. Why is that important? Why does it stimulate the epicentre of the brain? Why is it when you focus on a throat chakra, does it influence... Um, the RAS, which is the rectal uh, activity system and, and, and so on, uh, the, the, the pons, the medulla bulganta, all these things that influence the signals around the brain and the, the body. And all of a sudden, people can start piecing the jigsaws together and say, well, gosh, yes, I get it now. And when I've worked with clients on this, 
on this field of expertise, etc., and so on, they've been able to generate energy at a different level than just saying, well, okay, let's do some hypnotherapy, let's look at the root cause of this, uh, and then let's look at a strategy to build in some more acceptable serving uh, thought processes to help them get where they want to be. When they actually bring all the stuff together and increase the energy, they all of a sudden they get the different output, Adam. It's, um, I'm trying mm. to keep it condensed, shall we say, because there's so yeah. many aspects to it. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's also so much stuff which I feel in the mindset world which has been held back because it's been quashed in the past. And I just want to set a metaphor, an example, which before we go any further. Yeah, 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 go for it. From, and this is to do with the clinical research as well. So if we imagine, uh, I'm, I'm not into war, don't get me wrong, but if we imagine <laughs> someone who wants to be a fighter pilot and they go into flight school, at the, the Air Force Academy, and day one they go in and, and the instructor says, right, here's a manual, here's the instructions, here's a flight simulator. But I tell you what, I'm going to talk you through a live training. And what I'm going to do is, in essence, give you the keys to a super fighter jet. We're going to put you in, this, in the flight seat, in the pilot seat. We're going to get you up in the air. And we're going to look at the efficacy and, and all the workings of the abilities of being a fighter pilot by just talking you through the instructions. No one in their right mind would do that, would they? With someone who's not flown before. No. So why do we, from a clinical research point of view, expect the client to understand how the mind really works on day one for immediate results when we're doing clinical research. Mm. Mm. Is, that, is, is, that, is that a rhetorical question or, or do, you, do you want me to answer? I, we can look at it from both ways. It can be rhetorical and if you wish to answer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I mean, for, for, from my own personal perspective, I don't think um, people are expected always to fully understand their own mind in order for things to be to be effective. You, you know, I, I completely understand. You wouldn't judge, um, 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 you, you, you know, when a guy's, um, when a, with a pilot, you probably wouldn't be measuring the efficacy of his skill. You'd be measuring the efficacy of the techniques that he's being used, for example, or the techniques that he's applying um, um, in order to learn how to fly that plane. Um, 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 which, which I think is very similar to, to certain psychological um, um, interventions and processes. You know, I, I, I get your point. It's an interesting point. Um, 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 and, and, and I also think that there are some, that, that there's some potential flaws with, 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 with some of the logic within that, um, um, in as much as I think um, um, you're quite right that the mind is, is you know, is, is, is challenging sometimes. But I think, you know, we're not expecting, we're not necessarily measuring and managing, you know, exactly that they, that they, that they know how to fly the entire plane straight away. Very often it's, it's looking at, at kind of specific 
more slimmed down components, you know. Um, um, so, for example, measuring, um, um, you know, showing him how to practice using the throttle in one particular study would be a bit like, you know, teaching somebody or showing them how to how to reduce their anxiety, for example, or or, 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 or showing them how to how to practice and 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 work on one particular element could be representative with regards to other other aspects that that are potentially more. You know, I, I think it's um, 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 the, 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 the metaphor works in, in a very kind of general term, but I don't think there are any any studies, for example, whose aim is to completely be able to fly the ship 100 um, percent um, straight away um, um, without any without any, um, uh, uh, w w you know, w w without developing efficacy, for example. Um, I would also say that I think um, a lot of studies these days do do, you know, six month follow up, 18 month follow up and so on. And, and you know, are looking to develop over a lengthy period of time. Um, um, I don't know what your thoughts are, but, you, you know, I, I absolutely get your point, you know, that, 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 that ideally you'd want something. And, and very often, so for example, with with my own research, for example, um, 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 we are expecting people to be trained over a, over a number of weeks. You know, it's not just an, an isolated, an isolated one one off period. I think a lot of clinical research these days is, is is about skill development over a period of time and not just a kind of single isolated event to, to test something. Um, although, you know, that does exist. So, you know, I, I absolutely get where you're coming from. You know, it's 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 a really interesting point and probably <coughs> probably had I had, had I more of an idea. Um, um, you, you know, I, 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 about the kind of specifics um, that you're referring to, I'd probably be able to give you a more robust answer. Sorry, I do apologize, yeah. Um, so- hey, hey, there's nothing to apologize about. You know, it's a really interesting discussion. It's a really interesting debate. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the book talks about requests for research. I mean- Yeah. The, the, the front-end content is obviously about understanding the empowering the, the individual to understand who and what they are, then understanding their financial aspects and their journey of life. And but then as we go towards the, the, the final quarter of the book, shall we say, uh, then it starts helping a person piece that jigsaw together, but then it looks at how the, the power of the mind can really work, but also how we're built around energy. Right, yeah. And when we work with energy, we, we can then influence things, and rightly or wrongly, in, in the sense of medicine and, and so on. And I say rightly or wrongly because, it, wrongly, doing something without the correct research to evidence the efficacy of it is wrong. Um, because it comes with risks, as we know. Um, but if we take, if we look at some specifics, for example, if we take just binaural beats, for example, it can cause quite heated debate of the of whether or not it does work or whether it doesn't work. But with the research that I've looked at around that, and and and, and granted, there may be other 
research out there. Yeah. Um, the way it's been researched, it doesn't evidence that the individuals, the delegates, were actually trained to work with the brain first and foremost. So that impacts on the efficacy, or also the, the, the analysis of whether or not it works or not. And then it becomes a debate and so on, and, and, and it, affects, it has a snowball effect going forward, which makes it harder to evidence um, and justify whether or not it's worth bringing back into medicine. Uh, sure, so. sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, you and I have discussed this before, um, you know, really briefly, you, you yes. know, I, I, I have some challenges with, with, with binaural beats based upon the way in which purveyors of binaural beats um, 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 explain it. And, and typically, I think that, that, that the science that the notion of brain entrainment, for example, um, um, matching certain, certain brainwave levels of activity, which then results in us feeling feeling a certain way I think I, I think some of that some of that explanation is flawed not because of clinical studies um, um, but 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 simply but but simple neuroscience um, tends to suggest that some of those notions are flawed um, so I, I haven't had an opportunity to look in in a huge amount of depth at, at, at clinical studies with regards to it. Um, I understand where you're coming from. Um, um, you know, I think, I think in order for anything to be, to be tested, however, um, um, you know, what, what needs to happen is that two people go through, go through very similar circumstances um, and, and, and as much as is possible, the only variable needs to be that you know the binaural beats was was used um, um for example with with one group with the, with a control group or, or, or rather that the experimental group and then the control group is using something else you know perhaps music without binaural beats or something like that um, um uh, yeah can I, can I in there sorry yeah and i, I wanted i purposely want to interrupt you there because we, i think we're hitting on a very important point here yeah if we for those that are listening if we look at how the, the hearing system works, as the frequency enters the, the eardrum, yeah. the, the epicenter of the ear, shall we say, whether it's the super olivary nucleus and so on and so on, by the time it hits the pons, it's being converted from a wave frequency into, in essence, an electrical signal to various aspects of the brain. Yeah. So whether it's binaural beats, whether it's music, it's still a wave frequency. Difference with binaural beats is that it's different sine waves going in each ear, which then send a different signal. Now, if a person is not if the delegate is not trained in understanding how to stimulate um, the rectal, um, the RAS, the, the rectal activity system, which yeah. is in the very center of the brainstem where it meets the brain, and that's like the gatekeeper. If, if the delegates are not trained to work with diffusing their gatekeeper, shall we say, to allow all these signals to come in, then whether it's binaural beats, whether it's just music, it's still a wave frequency. 
And when we understand wave frequencies, then we can do the right research to get the evidence that we need to justify whether, uh, to, sorry, not justify, but to demonstrate whether or not something works or not. Yeah. But I get what you're saying is that there isn't really enough evidence from what you've seen to justify whether binaural beats or whether music or so on impacts on it. Because we know with music, it can affect moods anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have limited understanding. I, I, I get asked about it a great deal. You know, the majority of websites that sell binaural beats music, they tend to talk about a process called um, I know, like resonant entrainment in order to explain how the binaural beats affect the brain. Um, and and I think typically in in kind of in natural sciences, Entrainment tends to refer to two systems which oscillate at, at different frequencies of their own accord, um, um, or um, yeah, or, or two independently moving things that synchronize with each other. You know, so um, um, so I, I think an example that lots of people use very often is where you've been out on holiday, you've been out late at night listening to crickets making the cricket noise that they do so well and the, the insects end up synchronizing the sounds that they make. Um, um, and, a, a, you know, a human example of entrainment where people come together and they're all dancing for fun. But I think... Um, um, the, the idea that um, the kind of low frequency beat of the binaural beats um, entrains your brainwave pattern is probably what, what, what I question. Um, and that's, that, that's probably the, the thing that I know the most about. Um, um, you know, I think, um, 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 you know, a lot of people suggest that and when you listen to binaural beats, they cause your brain's neurons to fire, creating electrical activity that matches the pattern of the, the sort of phantom beat. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think um, um, to suggest that your your brainwaves then kind of get entrained to that and that produces a particular type of brain state is is what I've um, what 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 what. what what I've kind of examined in the past, but the, um, and, and I know there are some research projects that are offered out there by some of these sites. Um, um, and, you know, I, I, I'll be really interested to, 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 to see and um, hear about whether there are other, other sort of aspects of this that, um, um, that, that, that go on to, 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 to create, I think there was some, some research that was done with regards to high blood pressure or something and reducing that, um, um, and perhaps I, I, I can put a link to a couple of the studies um, in the in, in the session notes for this episode. Um, um, but heck, I don't want to get too bogged down with with with, no, with with that. I'm on the same page with you, Adam, with regards to. I don't believe in its own its entirety that it can help a person's thought processes change. It isn't. That's that's not what it does. Um, that's down to obviously how they've been programmed, their thought processes. The, the, the wave frequencies is what influences cellular behaviour and the functioning aspects of it. And I think that's what needs clarity. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So so tell me, Jonathan, what, what's the future direction um, um, with, with regards to what you're doing? What have you got planned? So, so the plan that going forward is that I am striving to create medical research um, with regards to fusing 
combining, however you, the person wants to call it, bringing together all the therapeutic techniques with regards to the mindset world. And where we can evidence that actually what we do as hypnotherapists and mindset specialists, to me, it's not complementary or secondary medicine. It's frontline primary medicine. And yeah. I want to build research that brings it all together so we don't have people with different specialisms making claims that that's the best technique for in its own entirety for everything and so on and so on, where we bring all the specialists together, whether it's hypnotherapy, whether it's CBT, NLP and so on, excuse me for using the, acro the, the acronyms and so on, um, but whatever it, the approach is to how the mind works, whether it's someone with chakra balances, some uh, work, and whether it's someone with acupuncture and so on, actually if we bring this all together, from a research point of view, we can create a very powerful study that actually says, look, this is now, it is what should be, and I say should in, in, in a sincere way, um, this is primary medicine and no longer should it be deemed as complementary or secondary uh, medicine. So the aim is to drive forward um, this research, but because I... I mean, I have my postgraduate certificate, it's level seven, which is great. I'm not an academic person, Adam. Sure. You, I've always struggled with English. So for me, doing a, going on to master's and PhD is that's Mount Everest for me twice over. I <laughs> <laughs> so, feeling. Uh, yeah, so, so to me, how do I get the end result? It's, it's to ask people to come together where we can work collectively as a team. Um, so that's the future direction from research point of view. Um, future direction with the book is to help build a community of people who yeah. are of like mind, who want to have journeys in life. We want to work together as a team where we don't have people bickering and, and false claims and so on, where it's a safe place for everybody to come together. Yeah. Um, and, and, and start working on some of these illnesses which are um, not helping, shall we say. No, 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 no. And so people want to learn more about more about your approach, the book and so on. It's the, is it the same website, www.lifewealthcoaching.com? Yeah, they can go on to, if they go on to the, the website, um, there's, a, there's a pop-up banner. Uh, if they just want to get the book, they can just go on to Amazon.co.uk. Uh, the book's on there, um, and um, it can be sent straight to them. Um, but if they want to get in touch, if they get, go onto the website, uh, lifewealthcoaching.com, um, they can email me, uh, get in touch, and we can communicate. Brilliant. 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 Um, th Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for coming and sharing um, um, your thoughts and, and your work. Um, um, all that remains for me to say is, is thank you. I wish you the very best. I look forward to seeing you in London in Heathrow this year. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. I look forward to talking.
there's a link to Jonathan's website over at the episodes page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and in the episode notes at iTunes. Um, finally, this week is our evidence-based hypnosis factoid. And the fact of the week is this. Hypnosis appears to be a feasible method to manage anxiety and pain associated with colonoscopy. Um, it reduces the need for sedation and may have other benefits such as reduced recovery time. So, um, yeah, there was a, a 2006 study by Elkins, White, Marku, Perfect and Montgomery that explored using hypnosis for pain and anxiety management in, 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 in just six colonoscopy patients. So this was five men, one woman, um, who received a hypnotic induction and instruction in self-hypnosis on the day of their colonoscopy. And uh, the patient's levels of anxiety were obtained before and after the hypnotic induction using a visual analog scales, um, VAS. Um, following the, the colonoscopy, the, the visual analog analog scales were used to assess anxiety and pain during colonoscopy, um, perceived effectiveness of hypnosis and the patient's satisfaction with medical care. Um, the authors then also obtained um, um, for uh, um, um, information um, regarding um, recovery time, vasovagal events and time of the procedure for 10 consecutive patients who received standard care. And this is what they compared their own results with. So it's not a totally randomised controlled study. It was more of a feasibility study, but a really good one. Um, um, it's you know, really well structured and put together study, despite it not being you know, fully randomised and controlled. Um, results suggest that hypnosis appears to be a feasible method to manage anxiety and pain associated with colonoscopy and reduces the need for sedation and has these other benefits, including reduced um, vasovagal events and recovery time. Um, and there's a link to the research paper um, included on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. And if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, um, you can find masses of memes relating to a variety of studies whereby hypnosis has been examined. Um, so that's it for this week's 112th edition. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I've got many more exciting guests that I'll be welcoming to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. Next time out, I'm going to be speaking to Michael Beligianis. Um, I'm over in Denmark who offers up a huge amount of stimulating thought processes about hypnosis and and, and the hypnotherapy world. Um, you don't want to miss out on that one. Um, all the references made in the Discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Um, I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, and questions. Do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website, and I'll make sure that they are addressed, answered, and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else, and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again go to this week's guest, Jonathan Kattenberg. My thanks to you for tuning in. My my name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. <laughs>